0: Hey, there's an island 11 miles off of Manhattan, New York City. Uh, that's called Hart Island, and it is a telling island. It's an island with many stories, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of stories. Since 1869, that island has been located off of Manhattan Island and has been the place where if you die in Manhattan or die around New York City and you're penniless, nameless, that's where you go. That's where you're buried. Is And it's stacked on top of stack. You might have seen this during COVID where literally it is pine box stacked on top of pine box of unnamed, unknown individuals. Since COVID in 2020, a 1,000 people have been buried there in mass graves. And I think about that as a metaphor of so much of life in that sometimes we are clueless and struggle with our identity. And we struggle with it in, in, in internally and we try to mask it on the outside. And really, it is a story that God started to tell. And that mankind, humankind interrupted his story. And that we have been trying ever since then to get back or to maybe rewrite or write our own stories, develop our own identities, attach ourselves to something. And what we need to do is we need to go back to Genesis and understand that God was telling a beautiful story. And we were a part of it. No, we're not the center of the story, but we are a part of the story. And I want us to again, go backward before we go forward because that's what we have to do. Before we can go into our future, we need to go back to our past and we need to get in touch with our past and understand our past, not from a, a negative state, but understanding where we are and who we are in the midst of where we are. Christian Wright has written a great book and this is one of the statements. He says, the Bible is not just about a solution to our sin problem and how to survive in a day of judgment. It begins with creation and ends with new creation. And again, you read Revelation chapter uh, 21 and 22 and you read Genesis chapter 1 and uh, chapter 2 and you find this perfect, beautiful beginning, perfect and beautiful ending begins with creation and ends with new creation. So that our biblical theology, a mission, needs to take this great beginning and ending seriously. For it answers to the most... of. fundamental questions that all philosophies and religions answer in different ways where are we and who are we and the who are we question is an identity question who am i and again, we have been trying to define who we are and establish ourselves and write our resumes and create names for ourselves and images for ourselves in social media. We have done this to again to establish an identity and who I am is tied to some so many different things who I am for some people is tied to what they do. I am this. I I have this title. I have this stature, this position. Well, just look at it like this. You, you meet somebody for the very first time. Past the name, past where they might live or where they're from, what's the next question you ask? What do you do? Where do you work? That's a question because so much of our identity is tied to our name, maybe where we live, but also right there, what we do. But also identity is sometimes tied to who we're not. Well, I'm not that person, so I'm constantly striving to be that person. And when I'm talking about just not a person in position, I'm talking about even gender. I am I am male, but I don't know how to be a male. I'm female, I don't know how to be a female. And there's this this struggle, this tension with with again sexual identity. Who am I? What am I? And I, I'll str- I'll tell you, as a man growing up in a world, I struggle with what it meant to be a man and what that looked like. And what is a good man? What is a right man? What is a proper man? And and again, in this day and age with women, women struggle with the glass ceiling. They struggle with their identity sometimes in who they're not. And, and sometimes in our world, male-dominated world, we sometimes suppress that. So again, is it my gender? Is that who I am? And again, we live in a day where there's a lot of gender confusion. In this gender confusion world which we live, which is called... It's been medically called gender dysphoria. We struggle with, again, our identity sexually. And um, it's a touchy situation. And I want to handle all of those topics delicately. And if they're not handled delicately, and I'll refer back to last Sunday a little bit, the first gathering especially, I don't believe it was handled delicately. And so I apologize if you were offended in any way. Um, with some of those comments, um, there is a right and a wrong, but there's a right and a wrong way to do things and talk about things and address things. And, uh, so who am I and what am I and who am I not? And sometimes we attach our identity to our race, to our ethnicity. And that's a dangerous attachment. Race diversity becomes the, the topic, um, And really a life principle is that who I am is less about my ethnicity and most about my humanity. Who am I is not attached to the skin color. It's attached to who I am in the sight of the God of the universe. And when I realized that every one of us and everyone that's in this room and not in this room and everyone in the southern, world and everyone's of a different ethnicity, we all originated from the same beginning. When Paul was speaking in an ethnic diverse city on Mars Hill in Athens, uh, Greece, in Acts 17 verse 26, he said this, he says, and he made from one man every nation every ethnos from one person of mankind to live on the face of the earth. So our ethnicity is not what our identity is. And yet that has become a political hot button today. So where is our identity? Well, if we misappropriate our identity, we put our identity in the wrong thing, then we will misunderstand our identity and we will misunderstand our identity. We will misplace the priorities on our identity. And then it results in a broken, confused, offended, canceled culture. I told you in the beginning of this series that everything I'm going to talk about in these first two, first month, is going to be countercultural. It's not going to fit in somebody's bucket very well. I want to handle it with grace and truth because what I'm pointing us to is not back to my design. It's back to God's design in a perfect world, in a perfect time, when things were right and good and in order. And so how can we move back to where God, what is my identity? And I want to propose to you that my identity is not in what I am, not in what I do, not in what I am not, not in, not in what I, what my race is. My identity is based in a biblical narrative and it's what God says I am. Who am I in the sight of God? Who cares what other people think about me? Who am I in the sight of the God of the universe who chose to put my breath in my lungs to give me another day so that I could live out his story for his glory? What What about What's that story about? That's the identity I want to attach myself to because that is for time and eternity, good and right and proper. Whenever you look at the creation story, you see some common grounds and again we did not do diligence we did we covered a little bit of this last week but let me just give you uh just a broad overstroke when you're corresponding the creation story you see some some parallels here you see with day one and day four that the heavens and the galaxies are, are are developed and and made right and the heavenlies are put in order then day two and day five uh you have the waters and the land take form and shape and then day three and day six you have the living and it's the living plants it's the animals and it's people but here, there's anything I want you to hear in the story of creation in this whole seven day, whether you're short, whether you're a young earth theorist or, 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 or a gap theorist or a, or, or a day age theorist. And I believe there are a lot of great believers in all those camps. And so, whatever you fit yourself in, into that, here's what I want you to see in the story of creation. It is about unity and humanity. And about how God is bringing the divinity and the unity together in this beautiful story. Whenever you look at your Bibles and turn there, if you will, you'll notice from day one... And day four, that's when he creates the galaxies, okay? That's when he created 100 billion stars and 100 billion galaxies. Do you realize that there are only nine verses in Genesis that are devoted to 100 billion stars and 100 billion galaxies? But when you come to the capstone, the the headwaters, when you come to the, the the most important crown of God's work, His creation of humanity, you find that there are in the matter of day six, there's in the matter of three chapters, thirty two verses given to the story of humanity. The crown jewel of the creation narrative is humanity. But in that, you see not only the unity of the divinity, you also see the unity of humanity. You see the unity of divinity in here because you will see that, that it is Godhead coming together, creating it. Every other day of creation, he says, let there be. He speaks to the elements. He speaks to the functionality of the elements. Let there be light. Let there be water. He separates the water from the earth. He speaks to the elements about the functionality of those elements. But what you see in day six, when he speaks of humanity, he speaks to the Godhead. It's the only time in the creation story where he doesn't say, let there be humanity. He said, let us. That is a very important part of the narrative, of the story, that God is pointing to the Godhead creating us, that God is coming together. This plural majestic being is coming together of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and he is creating humanity. And let me say this again, in case you missed it before. When he creates humanity, he makes us one. He put man and woman together and he made them one. They were equal. They were one. And he made them one in this perfect order. So any form of racism, fascism, sexism, classism, nationalism, nationalism, whenever we say our nation better than your nation, whenever we say any of that, it is from the pit of hell. It is not a part of God's original design. When God made the world, he made it in unity and he made it for unity to bring us all together. Again, let me remind you, may God made one man of every nation. And so take your Bibles and let's look at the creation day six, Genesis chapter one. We'll look at verse 26 and following. There has been dissertations Doctoral dissertations written over verse 26. There have been books and debates written and talked about over verse 26. There's no way I'm going to do it justice, but let us just jump into it and have a heyday with it, okay, for a moment. Then when God said, let us, again, this is the deity and the unity of the divine coming together. It's the only time that God says to us to do this together. Let us make man in our image. After our likeness, both words are critical, though they're, they're very similar. They're also very distinct. We'll talk about them. So if you've got your Bibles out and you're highlighting them online, please get a Bible, uh, highlight these phrases and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the, uh, uh, of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man. It says, so God created man in his own image. Now, notice this. He refers initially to the plurality of God. Let us make man in our own Im- image. But then he comes back here. No, don't miss this. He comes back here and he says, his, singular, because God is three in one. There's not three gods. There's one God. He says, so created man in his, singular, own image, And in the image of God, in case you missed it the first time, he's going to say it again and again and again. The image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Now hold right there and I want you to skip over to chapter 5 because I said that there are a number of times in the beginning when he talks about the creation narrative. And especially talking about God's creation of 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 human beings. He says, in the book of the generations of Adam. Just a a little factoid here. Genesis is made up of about 15, 13, I can't remember the exact number, 13 to 15, we'll go with that. 13 to 15 different books contained within the book of Genesis. And they're referred to as the books of generations. So here's the book of generations of Adam. And then he said this, And when God created man, he made him in the likeness, similar phrase that we just said, he made him in the likeness of God, male and female, he created them and he blessed them. Similar phrases, right? Then he said earlier, and he named them man when they were created. When you look at this, I hope that you will walk away today less confused about who you are, less confused about why you are, less confused about where you're heading and that you would actually say, God, you are the God of the universe and I want to bow my life to you because you are the one who gives me my identity. And anything short of that, that's what I'm saying in the, I've been saying this whole series, we've been erasing God from society, erasing God from education, erasing God from the way that we live, and what we're doing is we're erasing our identity. And when we erase our identity, that's when we wake up the next morning and we're confused about who we are, what we are, where we are, But if we would come back to our identity based in Genesis, then we will understand better. There are five divine identity markers that I want you to get down big, plain, and straight. Okay? I want you to get these down because, again, I quote from the Humanist Manifesto a few weeks ago, this is not what your kids are going to get in school. This is not what you're going to probably recall from your own education Because, again, everything about this society is pointing away from God and not toward God. So the very first thing I want you to understand about your identity is I am made in the image of God. I am made in the image of God. Say that with me. I am made in the image of God. See, what you've got to do is start speaking truth into your own head. You've got to start saying these statements. If you have to wake up in the morning, you have to put them on the mirror, you have to put them on the dashboard, if you have to put them on your computer screen, then you do just that because you have got to begin to understand who you are. I am made in the image of God. Now, what, again, scientists would like to tell you that you actually came from seaweed. You actually came from a tadpole. You actually evolved over... Hundreds and millions and billions of years, and that's who you are today. And where some might go that direction, I want to say, you go there, I'm going over here. Where I'm going to believe, and it's not just me choosing this, is I'm going to believe that there was a God who actually valued me. See, evolution is a devaluation. You said, no, you're evolving into greater beings. No, no, no. What, What you're doing is you're coming from slime and scum. That's your father's and mother's. What we, when we originate from God, we're actually realizing that, hey, I am of value. I don't have to evolve to value. I am originating from value. This is the way W.A. Criswell said, a long time pastor, he said, when man thinks that he descended from of a brute, he looks downward to the brute for interpretations of himself. That when he believes that he was made in the almighty God, uh, in, in the Lord's image, for a divine purpose, he looks upward, not downward, uh, for his interpretation. Teach people that they come from animals and they will act like it. Look at our society today. Verse 26, I don't want you to miss it. 26 and 27, three different times he uses the word image. We are the image bearers. And notice this, at the very climax of this statement, he ends with the statement that you are male and female, he created them. Please understand what I'm about to say. There is equal value in male and female. Equal, okay? there's not one superior to the other they're equal and not only are they equal but there is also a beauty of god's creative order that we're literally listen to this reflecting the image of god by being male and female so if god made you male embrace it as a male if god made you female embrace it as a female and understand what it means to be female and understand what it means to be male in the beauty of God's divine design for your life. It's not a degrading bashing. I'm not trying to to, to 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 hurt people who struggle with that identity, who feel the contradiction on the inside. I hurt for you. And we have people that are part of our faith family. We have people that are in our community that struggle with this deeply. And I don't come at them pointing my finger. I come at them holding my hands out. So I want to embrace you because you are made in the image of God. And if he designed you to be a male, he designed you to be a female. That is a beautiful reality. Preston Sprinkle said it like this. He said, our sex differences are a part of what it means to reflect God's image. It's a part of what it means. Karl Barth was the one who really dove into this. And he talked about the human sexuality displays otherness and sameness. Otherness in that male and female are distinct and separate. But sameness in that both of them are human. Realize this. It's the only part of creation that God clearly distinguishes that he made male and female. Doesn't mean he didn't make male and female bears and cats and when he made the animals. But it was very clear that he made male male and he made female because we're the only ones not the animals not the plants not the trees they don't reflect the image of god humanity reflects the image of god and so there's this otherness and sameness just as there is in us otherness and sameness we're humanity but yet we're two different genders so there is otherness and sameness in the image of god There is otherness in that there is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But there is sameness in that there is only one God. So we see that we, as we embrace our gender, we are embracing the very image of God. The word image uh, here in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word "selim." It's used 16 different times. It's used other times to represent the original origin of something. So it's used to describe an idol, in idol worship. It would reflect the image. So when you look at Egyptian and you look at Mesopotamian worship of idols. What they're doing is they're trying to as best they can capture the image of their God. And create an image that would represent their God. So where that, that idol worship isn't God itself. But yet it contains an essence of God. Okay, I'm talking about idolatry here. I'm talking about old, old school, but you can go over to Hinduism today and still see this alive and well. I went to an idol factory when I was in India last time, literally making hundreds of Ganeshas made out of concrete and ceramic and different things like that. It was an idol factory making images of God. We are not idols of God, but we are representation of God. We carry his image. So when you wanna know the truth about you, you were made to represent God among all creation. Not any other creation is a part of that image bearing. I am made in the likeness of God. Say that with me. I am made in the likeness of God. Now, when you understand this and you see them back to back so quickly, he said, make them in our image and after our likeness. It seems like they're the same thing. They're the same thing, only different, okay? They're different in that there are only time in Scripture that these two nouns are paired up side by side with each other is right here in this passage that we're looking at and traditionally what this has pointed to is that the image represented the the natural image of God okay and the likeness represented the moral character of God so we were made both in his image his 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 outward appearance or his otherness and sameness but we were also made in his likeness his moral character when God made Adam and Eve they were perfect they were putting a perfect garden with a perfect world and a perfect, everything was perfectly in order. It was perfect until what we'll get to in Genesis chapter 3, things, the wills fall off the bus. So when we are made in the likeness of God, when we are made in the image of God, we are representing God, but we're representational of God, okay, in his character. We are supposed to carry his likeness into our world into our life. The truth about you is this, that you were made to reflect God. You were made to represent God, but you're also made to reflect God for his glory. How did he make you? Why did he make you? Here, here's, here's why he made you, to reflect him for his glory. To reflect him out into this world. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created, why? Isaiah 43, verse 7. Why did he create us? I created you for my glory. You want to wake up in the morning, you want to know why you're existing, why you have another breath, why you're living another day? It's because God put breath in you that you would represent his glory. Isn't that a value add to your life? You don't have to wonder why do I exist. You don't have to wonder why am I living another day? Why am I stuck in this job or stuck in this place in life? No, no, no. You're there so that you can be the glory of God in that situation representing and reflecting him in all of his glory. Yes, we are marred. Yes, we've lost that likeness. Yes, our image, the image of God is marred in us. But he, ever since Jesus came to this earth, is calling us, enabling us to come back. That's why it says in First Peter, you shall be holy for I am Holy. He calls us back to his likeness. He calls us back to reflect his glory. That's why in Acts 11, verse 26, when the Christians were in Antioch, the Christians didn't call themselves Christians. It was the world looking at the Christians, calling them Christians, little Christ, because they were representing, they were reflecting the glory of God. So we are made in the image of God to represent him. We are made in the Glo- we are made in the likeness of god to to reflect his glory number three i am made by the breath of god again i'm pointing out some things that no other creation is given this no other creation is named in the image of god no other creation is is creating the likeness of god no other creation is brave the breath of life into them look at chapter 2 verse 7 Says the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground. And the breath and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. You will think he gave him CPR, right? God first of all started the beating heart and breathed into man through CPR. More than that. He breathed into us. His eternal existence. We, uh, listen, our kids grew up watching the cartoon, All Dogs Go to Heaven. I hate to tell you this, but your little dog died and he probably didn't go to heaven. Now that may break your kid's heart when you get home. And that may break some adults' hearts. And I literally have talked to adults and counseled adults who've lost their dogs. So I understand that. We have dogs, we love our dogs, okay. But dogs don't live forever. Plants don't live forever. The only creation that God breathed into was human beings. And when he breathed into them, they were to live forever. He put into them the very breath of God. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11. He made everything beautiful in its time. And he has put eternity in man's heart. It's the only being that God has put eternity in, is human beings. Truth about you, here's the truth about you. You were made to reside together with God. Reflect God, represent God, but also to reside with God. In the New Testament, he uses the word abide with me, and I will abide with you. God wants to be in relationship with us. He breathes into us his spirit in, in John chapter 20 verse 22 it says, And when he said, when he had said this, he breathed into them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So we can see here again, God breathing into us spirit Breathing into us eternity, breathing into his believers, the Holy Spirit. Why? So that he could reside and abide with us. Listen, my friends, there's not another pop. Everything in our world today points to self-actualization. You need to understand who you are. You need to understand self. And when you understand self, you will be a better self. Self Self-actualization, self-actualization. Listen, let me just say this. You will never identify self by looking at self. You will understand self when you look to the God who made self, who made you. Whenever you understand that I represent him, I reflect him, I reside with him, there's actually a deep down relationship with God. Then you're beginning to understand self-actualization. I'm not so much, but who made me is a lot and that makes me a lot. That gives me value. Four, I am made with a plan from God. Say that with me. I am made with a plan from God. God has a plan for me. I'm going to spend a lot more time talking about this next week. So let me just say this. Here's the truth about you. That you were made to rule over God's creation. To rule over it, not to destroy it. To sustain it. To create order to it. To keep... Watch care of it. The very first job that God gave humanity was an environmentalist. So stop dogging on them. Genesis chapter one, verse 26. He says this, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We were made environmentalists in the very beginning of time. Number five. I said, "There's five identity markers. I'm made in the image of God, the likeness of God. I am made for eternity because God breathes into me. Uh, I am. I am. I, 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 if you if you look at all of them, he said, I, I represent God. Uh, I, I reflect God. I reside together with God. I rule with God uh, over God's creation. I rest in God's fullness." Chapter one, verse twenty-eight. He said this of humanity. He said, and God bless them. God bless them. Now don't just skip over that, please. Do yourself a favor and linger there. It means fullness. He gives us fullness. He blessed them and told them to, to be prosper, to create a full earth. He blessed us to be a blessing to others. He blessed us. Again, you were made to represent God among all creation. You were made to reflect God for his glory. You were made to reside together with God or abide in the New Testament. You were made to rule over God's creation. You were made to rest in God's fullness. Who am I? This world struggles with that statement popular culture will tell you, just figure it out. Just figure it out. You be who you want to be. You just got to figure it out because you don't know and I don't know and you get to become what you want to become and you need to have good vibes and you surround yourself with good people and and all that's good, all that's good, all that's good. Listen, bad bad company corrupts uh, good morals. So there's a lot of truth in that, but you will not figure out who you are by looking at other people. Can I say it again? You will not figure out who you are by looking at other people. You'll not figure out who you are by comparing yourself to other people. You'll not figure out who you are by wanting to be somebody you're not. When you were made in the image and the likeness, you were made to to represent God, you were made to reflect God. There's so much in that. You're gonna understand that pop culture will just tell you to figure it out. But the biblical story will tell you, I am who God made me to be. Who are you? Why do you exist? Why do you breathe? Grace Point is a church that wants to help walk with you. If you're like interested, in, man, I, want to, I want to know more what it means to be a part of this family. We want to help you know God, okay? It's one of the first things we exist for. You, you, you want to talk about the next step for you? Text first step to 9700 and we wanna connect with you and help you in that first step of knowing God. But here's what Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 says. Because I am who, I, who, who God tells me I am. Well, here's who he tells me I am. For by him, all things were created. That's what we're talking about, the creation story, right? In heaven and earth, everything from the beginning to the end, from the alpha to the omega, from the furthest, the furthest galaxy to the, to the present, here we are, the soil that we're standing on, visible and invisible, things that I see, things that I don't see, things that I know, things that scientists have yet to figure out. And catch up with God on whether theories, their thrones, or th- dominions, or rulers, or authorities. Listen, listen. Presidents will come and go. Kingdoms will will, will will rise and fall. Nations will be here today and gone tomorrow. But all things were created through Him and for Him. Would you say that last phrase with me? All things were created through him and for him. So if I want to attach myself to anything that's going to last forever, I want to attach myself to Jesus. Because in Galatians, he also says this. He says, for in Christ Jesus, you are the sons of God. And he goes on to say it's not about being a Jew or a Greek, an American or a Mexican or a, 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 or, or a Canadian or a whatever else out there. It's not about what your passport says. My identity, my belonging is in, tied to, belongs to the God of the universe and his name is Jesus. Do you know him today? We're going to celebrate him today. If you don't know him today, we're going to celebrate him because our story is tied to him. We were created through him and for him. If you don't know him today, right here where you're at, would you bow your heads with me? Everyone bow your heads with me right now. Watching online, bow your heads with me. Be quiet in your home. Get stillness if you can and just listen to this question answer this question, who am I? Not who do I feel like I am, who am I? Who am I in light of who God sees me? Who am I in in light of the great I am, says that I am. Who am I? Is tied to not who you are, what you do, what your race is, what your gender is, what you wish your gender was. Your your, your identity is tied to the God who made you in his image, his likeness, who breathed his breath into you, gave you rule over the earth and blessed you with the fullness of his life. If you don't know Jesus today, right where you're at, just tell Jesus Jesus, I need you. I want you to define me. I want you to be my God, my Savior, my Lord. Tell him in your own heart.